So how, how do you tell that a cat has a UTI? Um, really dark pee. Um, or they start like urinating in random spots in the house. That sounds like me after I get high on the Holy Spirit. Roll the metal. Wow. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you have to pee a lot when you're high. Uh, On the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about substances. On the Holy Spirit, my guy. So the Holy Spirit makes you pee. Yeah, because you're being high on a substance. That substance is God. Is that what Jesus meant when he said that you would have a spring in your belly? Like a an overflowing spring in your belly? Yeah. Urine. Wow. This is really, like, working right now. So, uh, hello and welcome back to Theo Bourbon. We're just kind of hanging, hanging out today. Yeah, we decided... Uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about something random, but first, if you didn't notice, which none of you noticed because we don't have any listeners, I'm just kidding. I actually talked to a couple people who um, were saying that we are like, they're good friends of ours. Um, and they were like, yeah, I uh, I listen to you at work and it's really nice because you all are voices that I know and you're just like my relaxing podcast. I was uh-huh. like, oh, I like that. I love that. So, uh, hey, we relax people, Tom. I've got a kid even when you're uh, even when you're extremely inebriated and yelling things in the you know the audio peak and (laughs) Rachel's like covering my mouth. I think she's really worried that like upset me. But then like I woke up the next day and she's like, "You mad?" I was like, "Why do you mad?" That's so funny. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I I peak my audio all the time though. I don't need to worry about it. Speaking of that podcast, um, we did not have a podcast last week because we gave you, dear listener, a very special two-parter the week before so uh so that's what you got and uh we took a little break also so, uh derek and also the entirety of hopefully wandering and also uh-huh. some other friends too came to hang out for my birthday which is so yeah nice on the day that we would normally record so that was good to just see you in person tom and hug you and feel you and touch you and yeah just it was a very like very touching kind of time but like with yeah like literally with like hands like if you've ever heard the song "I Believe in a Thing Called Love," that's what just that listen was. to the rhythm of my heart. This is yeah, touching you, touching me. Oh God, you're touching Sweet me, Caroline. or I'm touching you. No, ba, not that song. Ba, ba. <laughs> we are talking about the metal gods that are the darkness. God, that sounds edgy. I like it. I'm into that. Have you never heard of them? I actually don't know what you're talking about right now. Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. Dear listener, this is two times in a row that we've had a podcast where I've said something that shows my age. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I think I was just also maybe like a little more sheltered growing up than you were. I don't know. I'm starting to get a little bummed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking old. <laughs> I mean, I just turned a quarter of a century, so I mean, like... I'm sorry. I'll be I'll be caught up soon. We're gonna be the same age soon here. I'm going to be 30 in a year and a half. That's like a full year and a half of still being young. Uh, oh, I actually had a. So I work <laughs> at a coffee shop at the drive-through, and I was working the drive-through today, and uh, a lady came around, and she, her 
her um her drink came to the total of 717 which is my birthday and i was like hey it's my birthday she's like hey wow it's just your birthday happy birthday i was like oh thank you so we were talking and i was like i just turned 25 i'm starting to kind of feel like i'm aging and and she was like oh no no as soon as you hit 30 that's when things get really fun because then you actually have money so that's something (laughs) so so maybe maybe uh your money time is coming for you when you have money and the ability to do things and have money I certainly hope so because I'm about to have two children. Dude, so. that's like that's a lot. <laughs> we need money. <laughs> the root of all evil. Everyone knows this. Evil, dude. Uh, by the by, the way, congratulations on uh, starting your um, Democratic Socialists of Xavier. Yes. Okay. That, that's so, so good. You know. You know something that's kind of fun. I got this message yesterday. And they're like, hey, what's your connection to the Xavier YDSA? And I was like, as far as I know, I'm like the only member of it. And they're like, no, you don't even know about this. There's a bunch of people who've been trying to start uh, a, a, like a YDSA chapter. I was like, are you serious? They were just like, yeah, we just thought you're like a competing faction. I was like, no, no, this is like the best news in the world. That means no, I have to do way less work now. Um, yeah. But as it turns out, a lot of them are like political science people, but none of them mm. are like media people. So none of them are immediately thinking, okay, we're going to immediately make this official by creating an Instagram account and stuff. They're like, yeah, we're going to get like, we're going to like make an addition, a petition and like get like signatures and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's like way more interesting and better. So basically awesome. I was like, hey, so I made this Instagram account. Want to use it? And they're like, yeah. So now I just kind of run the social media for this group of like 11 of us now. So Dude, uh, that's the dopest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I just like lucked my way into having to do way less work than I thought. Um, but I was just meeting with a bunch of the organizers uh, from the DSA that do specifically YDSA stuff. So uh, I had both interesting stuff to say. I got to share the crappy little graphic design that I made for it. Uh, <laughs> it's literally just the old YDSA logo slapped on top of Xavier University. They're like, hey, just so you know, you might get a cease and desist because you're using their logo. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. It's okay. Like, if that does happen, I'll just figure something else out. But um, I'm fully aware that that might happen. They're like, okay, for the time being, we're going to use it. I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. But (laughs) made some new pals. It's exciting. Uh, Good. I'm proud of you, man. There's quite a few people in there. Yeah. I I mean, that's a cool thing. And it's cool to, um, I don't know, it's it's cool to feel like you're doing something, um, especially when, you know, not great things are happening in the nation. Uh, Oh, also, you didn't finish your thought. When he said, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, if you haven't already noticed, and not many people would notice, because we have, like, we just went on a tangent from there, but you never finished your thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? If you haven't noticed. I'm not sure. I think I was just talking about, I think I already said that. You we, did say it. Okay, never I mind. I did say it. No. Good to know you're listening. Um, yeah, what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I've, not, I've not followed any of this. Well, uh,. <laughs> Other than um, suckling on the teat of trickle-down economics, what are you? Uh, what are you drinking there, my friend? Well, speaking of what we were just talking about, uh, I'm drinking some Maker's Mark 46. It's, okay. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what's 46 about it, uh, but it's what Collier and Michaela got me. Uh, nice. Yeah, Collier of the Hopefully Wandering Podcast uh, mm-hmm. and, his, and his wife Michaela. That's what they got me. Uh, for my birthday and it is like one of the awesome. most attractive couples i've ever seen in my life like they're just like pretty people together oh, the thing <laughs> is, people just hated them all throughout when what? we were in high school just because they were like really attractive just because it's like they were like the two hot people from youth group mind you this is a youth group at a mega church so you have to stand out right. and they stood out and then they like fell in love at age like 16 and have been together ever since um, That's so fun. So they got a, together when I was with thing. like my first real like hi, like high school relationship. Yeah, that's when they got together and like 
that was what like that was literally like seven years ago it's insane so yeah wait not seven years ago that's oh it's like nine years ago oh i forgot that i'm not 22 dude this is my 10 year anniversary of graduating high school i graduated wild 10 years ago so i i was talking to one of my coworkers who just turned 16 and I, I, I was like, yeah, so I graduated in uh, graduate high school in 2015. And he was like, I was nine. And yeah, that made me want to poop. It hurt. It wasn't good. So oh God, we're getting to that age where we're looking at kids and we're like, you weren't even alive when I could like comprehensively and cognitively remember things like what's horrific <laughs> is like I'm talking to them and I'm like, yeah, we're like and I'm looking I like I'm talking to them and I'm like, yeah, we're like peers. We're in the same age group. And then they're just like, yeah, like old people like you, you know, say that. And I'm like, Shit, you're right. You know, I'm like, I remember yeah. 9-11. I, you know what I mean? Like, right. And that's, that's, and, and then like you talk to other people, it's not that I don't remember 9-11 is that they barely know what it really was. Uh, turns right. out they said never forget. And people have in fact forgotten. Um, or they just haven't known anything about it at all. <laughs> couldn't give a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ever think about how. Um, we really haven't had that was like that's like the only time something really bad from a foreign forest has happened on our soil that wasn't just other Americans killing each other like we have yeah like other nations have like Americans or American backed forces just come and like massacre people in the streets all the time yeah and yet, like the worst thing that's happened here that was from a foreign force was just like people crashing planes into stuff for like one day and then we just flattened the entire Middle East yeah i mean dude what are we doing this country right god and it being 21 years ago no yeah 21 21 years yeah 21 years ago wow um like i remember that day simply because my dad was supposed to get on a plane yo my dad was in manhattan (laughs) when the planes hit no shit so we lived in connecticut at the time and uh-huh. uh, there are a handful of little towns in Connecticut that are literally a 45 minute drive from there to like downtown Manhattan. Like mm-hmm. you can have a shorter commute living in Con- in Connecticut than then living in another place in New York. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's wild. Uh, just cause it depends on where you're entering the city from. Um, either way. So my dad was was working in Manhattan at the time. He would just drive in mm-hmm. 45 minute commute. Nothing too crazy. Um and I remember it was like I was in preschool at the time and it was like uh, three days on, two days off kind of thing for the week. And it was a day that I was off. So day I was going to be home all day. Um, and, you know, I was just doing little kid stuff, um, four years old, like doing laundry, cooking with my mom, playing with, you know, playing with mama. Um, and, but I just remember I was like, why don't you want to play with me? Why do you have the TV on? Why is the TV on? Mm-hmm. And I remember she was just like tears in her eyes, just like we need to call your dad. We need to call your dad right now. Because um, when the first plane hit, he just immediately just like didn't say anything, got in his car and started driving home and was able to get up before because they ended up locking down all of Manhattan. Yeah, um, yeah, but he yeah. was able to get up before they locked it down fully and was able just to make it home. And I just remember, like, I think it's the only time I've ever seen my parents like afraid, like, am I about to lose my spouse? Which is right. That's something I have not seen before or since. And yeah, I think that's my first memory. So that's fun. Wow. Yeah, I remember my dad was supposed to get on a plane, and I'm, I am 99% sure 
that it was supposed to go to DC because he did some things in oh. DC. And when I was in seventh grade, we took a family trip to DC because he actually had like business going on up there. And so, yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Um, I was in first grade, second grade. I don't remember, but anyway, we got real dark real quick. <laughs> hey, we're just talking about the American experience. We, I mean, today oh is God. like less of a structured theme episode. We talked about a few things that we're going to touch on, but I mean, yeah, we, this is a, we're, gonna, we're just hanging out with Tom and Derek. That's what we're up to tonight. On this Speaking of reasons that I drink, um, I am drinking Old Bardstown, Old Faithful. Ooh. It's very good. One of my faves. What's like the flavor like on that one? Is it more rye forward, corny? What you got there? You know, I mean, it's bottled in bond. Mm. Um, so it's very like for me, it's pretty damn smooth. Um, and I know me, my smooth things are not the same smooth as everyone else. Like, I would but, disagree uh, that old granddad is smooth. Like, that, you gotta like. <laughs> I don't think old granddad's smooth. I just like it. <laughs> oh, it, 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 like, puts me in serious pain whenever I drink it. But sometimes yeah. I will still buy it and be like, yes, this is what I want. Then I'll get home and be like, why the hell did I buy this? So You only buy it because I, I'm in your head. Oh, yeah. You are, you permanently live in my head. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with one of my buddies, <laughs> the guy that married me and Miranda, like, when Did I he was married back... both of you, a poly, a throuple. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he blames me for how much of like a snob he is when it comes to worship music. Uh, yeah. I turned him off from Chris Tomlin and convinced him that he was terrible. And then it's not hard to do. I mean, for people ingrained in evangelical culture. It can be hard to do, especially with 50-year-old moms, which as a 36-year-old man that yeah, he is. That's fair. He's a, he's an old mom. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> so there's a guy that I know from Southeast who ended up uh, taking a job at Passion City Church and hmm. plays like keyboard and stuff with... Uh, Chris Tomlin and stuff. And remember we asked, like, what's he like? And they were just like, he was just like, oh, he's like insufferable. He's like the worst guy you've ever met. <laughs> no, I've heard that he's an absolute douchebag. Like, basically, it was like Crowder, awesome. Stanful, awesome. Tomlin, like, you want to jump off a building after the worship set. Like, he's like, such a diva. So I remember, yep. um, and this is when I found out stage presence is a thing. Because I remember listening to him with my mom growing up. We'd always be like, you can just always see heaven in his eyes when you see him perform. Like, isn't that special? It's just yeah, because you think he's hot. I mean, I think my, maybe my mom just had a little crush. I mean, her cru- her crush, mom. capital C, is Denzel Washington, always. Um, yeah. Maybe, to a lesser extent, Chris Tomlin. Like, every single Christian mom who had a kid in the 90s or the early 2000s thought that Chris, Chris Tomlin, Tomlin can was, get it, you know? <laughs> he can get it. And he's shorter than I am. He's a little guy. He's tiny. I saw him walking next to David Crowder at Passion, and it was hilarious. Dude, like, (laughs) the best worship musicians are the little guys. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Tom, speaking of things that that only some will remember, and this was one of the greatest 
and most terrible things to ever happen to Christianity. And that was the release of a book. A book? That flooded the homes of many a Christian mother. It's the sound of the flood coming for your for your home. And many churches, particularly Baptist ones, at least my Baptist one, began to start the fire of the book burning when they heard that the shack was coming onto their bookshelves. He's doing what onto their bookshelves? Uh, <laughs> Who's your reaction? I wasn't expecting such a reaction from that, but thank you. I <laughs> that was good. That. I really like that. Okay. But Tom, today, today we're going to talk about how you have actually never seen or read The Shack. I have very limited Shack knowledge. Like I can give you a few things that I think happened and you can tell me what I'm wrong about. And I listened to the audiobook because a guy that I was riding in the car with at the cult that I was in was playing it in the car every single time we were in the car. As you do. The only thing that I'm going to spoil for you is that the word chagrin is used in that book on like every page. Why did they choose that word? I don't know. Okay. But if you listen to the audiobook, you hear the word chagrin literally like every other minute. My uh my grandma used to live in a neighborhood called Chagrin Falls in in uh, Cleveland, so it's got nothing to do with anything, but whenever you hear the word chagrin, I just think of grandma, dude. That's pretty cool. Embarrassment Falls? No. Interesting. Have you ever thought about like taking a thesaurus and looking at a bunch of like different street signs and just being like, Hey, that's what that means. What if I put this there? Because there's a a road in Louisville called Reamers road. (laughs) Oh, I know. I, yeah, I used to live off Reamers. So I mean, I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Not on Reamers, just near it, you know? Yeah. So you were, you were, you were on the edge of reamers. Yeah. We we were, we weren't getting reamed ourselves, but we were next to someone getting reamed. You Um, were edging reamers. We were edging reamers. Uh, and we would, (laughs) we would would take, we would take reamers off to Kroger, you know, get get us some, uh, some derby pie, you know? Nice. Okay. Well, I had to make that extra Louisville for you. Oh God. Tom, tell me, what do you think happens in the shack? I mean, I think someone got like assaulted there. Like that's what I think happened or like murdered. Like I'll, okay. I think something really bad happened in the shack. And then some guy goes on this like vision quest of sorts in which God is a black woman. Uh, and I, th- I don't know anything about the sun, but I'm pretty sure the, like the Holy spirit is like an Asian woman. All I know okay. is like, there are a bunch of different races involved in the person of God. And like most of, most of God is female. I mean, which is like incredibly based and also cool. I'm all about that, (laughs) 
But I also know that it made the guy who I carpooled with, because he used to go to Christian Academy of Louisville. Yeah, yeah. No, um, God. Yeah, yeah, that was... My parents figured out their mistake there, you know? Good for them. Um, <laughs> Didn't Papa John's son go there? I don't know. Was I'm a, pretty sure he did. Little Schnatter went there? Baby yeah. Schnatter? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I didn't know if he did, but I mean, a lot of people did. A lot of people went to, to Cal. Uh, the uh, Dave Stone's son went there. The, uh, the, the the son of the guy who used to be the pastor of Southeast went there. Sam Stone oh, okay. went there. So a bunch of bunch of my Cal friends were friends with him, but I wasn't really. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't in that circle. I was just next again, next to that circle, just like I was next to Reamers. You see, you were edging it. Yeah, I was edging that. I was edging the circle that Sam Stone was in. Yes, thank you. You're you're totally getting what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah I got you. But uh, as far as I know, it's like some guy who goes on a very trippy spiritual vision <coughs> quest, and where God is pretty damn female, uh, which is pretty cool. But all I know is that I'm, so it made the guy who was like the dad who drove like a carpool car that I used to carpool to Callen. It made him like cry just to discuss the shack. Uh, and he was like very much like conservative evangelical in that world. Mm-hmm. And when I heard more about what was in it, I was shocked that it had impacted so many evangel- evangelicals so much. Because there was some discourse at Southeast as to whether it was good or bad. But most people landed on it's it's okay and it's good because it's not literal. And it's the whole point of it isn't to be literal. Like if you're like, God's got to be a boy when you have God as a woman, but it's just like, that's not the point. That's not what it's saying. It's not trying to make some kind of big statement there. It's mm-hmm. just about, it's trying to call to some higher truth. And I remember even though Southeast really didn't like that kind of thing, they like things as literal as possible. They were cool with that. Like they sold the shack at the Southeast bookstore. No um, way. Oh yeah. That, that's the thing. Southeast, as much as we give it crap, um, it's no, it, it's in that same level as like of, quote progressive quote as mm-hmm. like i don't know crossroads is here in cincy it's just it's not edgy but it's still like in that le- in that lane of as long as you affirm all the creeds and do all the right things we're not gonna like you're not apart from things however because it's also in louisville it were was, they creedal no um they just had a statement of faith which was kind of semi-creedal got it um how, however within that statement of faith you would have things that would have the same theology as the creeds. But the problem with Southeast is that it would also kind of not acknowledge that any church history had ever existed. Right. And it did the classic evangelical thing of like, we are only going to discuss the church within the last hundred years. Um, which, I mean, I feel like that's still better than, than the Baptist church just deciding that the Baptist church is the pinnacle of church history for some dipshit reason that no one has ever figured out. I still think it more than that, but as I'm looking back <laughs> at my time at Southeast, like the fact that people read and appreciated the shack while I was there is definitely meaningful. Um, <laughs> my chicken fingers are here. I'll be right back. Hey, yeah. I'm going to turn the light on too. What'd you say? I'm going to go turn my light on and start All to get right. dark. I'm going to put on, put in some, uh, some like music here. It's going to be fun.
Uh, thank you, listener. <laughs> I picked up my chicken fingers. I'm going to uh-huh. put a little set marker in here so I can put a put some, some cute little song. No, 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 Nostradamus. Don't walk on my computer. You will stop the recording. <laughs> oh, this is scary. So, Tom, as you are retrieving your cat. There he is. So... I really dig what you said about that because the shack was really like, I think it kind of had the same impact with a lot of people that I knew too, of just like not being hung up on the binaries um, and kind of recognizing it gave people a way to not see God as an old white dude in the sky, which was cool. Um, What I'm curious is how did it do it in a way that was so effective for evangelicals not to immediately be turned off to it? Probably because there was still just a little bit of kind of that theological rope in there for them. Um, because one of the pictures of God in it is one that you didn't know about. And that was the Hispanic woman judge that he meets after going through a waterfall. <laughs> um, Loving all this female God going on here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm all about it. Um, so, like, there was still kind of that the guy needed to be guilty and the guy needed to feel guilty about hating God because you were correct. Someone was assaulted and murdered. It was his daughter. It was, that was both. Oh, that's not like shack. I, was, I was a little too excited about that. The um, shack is where this man's daughter was murdered. And so he goes to said shack and so meets God there. This is in fact about a real shack and bad things that happen at this shack. Okay. Yes. So the shack is where all of this takes place. And the son, peace of God, is a Middle Eastern male. That makes sense. So that tracks. And then, so all of that to say. You really can't screw that one up. I mean, that'd be bad yeah. if you did. You were you were pretty on it um, with your with your explanation of what it was. I, for me, I heard way more how the shack is heresy than I heard that Interesting. it helps people. Yeah. Cause like, I think I grew up around people who like the people who are against the shack were the SBTS students who taught yep. at the school I went to, but yep. all of the like adults, all, I mean, all the, like the ministry people at Southeast, they all read the shack. They're like, this is the best thing I've ever read in my whole life. So. Yeah. I really like the author. Um, he's actually like a really fantastic, like, Dude, he has a wicked story. Um, And it's just like a really cool redemptive story and everything. Um, But he is actually really good friends with Brad Jerzak. Huh. I mean, I've been, I just started following Brad Jerzak on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I've been sending you his posts as though they're somehow new to you. Um, (laughs) But like... Honestly, that makes sense to me because Brad Jerzak has such, I, 
okay, this maybe this sounds weird, but it's like I don't think I've ever seen someone who has such a handle on what Christianity is. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's not like because I've seen people who know <clears throat> theology well, but people, but when you see people who just know what it means to follow Jesus in some fundamental way, I've never seen someone talk about it with like an almost like mastery of what that means in a way that Brad Jerzak does. He's probably the very real reason that I'm still a Christian. Yeah. I don't think I'd be here without him. Um, him and Jonathan Martin, Jonathan Martin introduced me to him. So, um, we love Jonathan Martin, the boy on the bicycle. We do. I haven't heard a lot of, from him lately. I know he wrote a new book. I think that's what he thing. was trying to get done. Um, he just released a new book, which I need to get, but the shack, dear listener, if you've never read it, I would actually, I would actually highly, I would highly, um, what's the word? Encourage you to read it. Um, yeah. I would encourage you to read it. The movie, eh, I mean, movies made off of books, you can never tell. But um, the book really is good, and I think it. I think it kind of has a cool. It just goes about it well. I think um, it goes about doing what it needs to do in a good way overall. Um, yeah, there are some things that are a little bit funky in it. Everyone's got funky theology and things, um, but. Yeah, I think I, I think overall it's actually a really really cool book. Um, if you do want to watch the movie, Octavia Spencer, I believe, plays the um, the big black mama god, and that's what she actually wants him to call her is mama. I don't know why, for whatever reason, that like hit a spiritual thing in me. Wow. Saying that I. Uh, Cause that just reminds me of the Jesus talking about like, like God being the, like, like the, the mother hen and the disciples mm-hmm. being the little chicks and stuff. And th- that hits me somehow. Like, cause I, I've been reading, uh, cause I've got a developmental psychology class that I'm in right now for mm-hmm. getting my education degree. And one of the things that they were talking about is how the most, in, at least in, in the West and whatever that means in, in America specifically, in most families where you have parents who are not divorced, who are together, who live together, by the way, that's like 67% of kids, like a mm-hmm. rather large majority of kids come from houses where you have uh, a married mother and father, which is surprisingly large to me. I don't know why, but yeah. most, but about 67% of kids come from that kind of household. And um, the normative thing is basically that the father is the one the kids play with and the mother is the one the kids learn from. And they kind of mm-hmm. tell they tell teachers, this is what you should expect. This is kind of the norm. In a very highly evolved, very conscientious parenting situation, those lines are blurred. And you yeah. have the, the kid both playing with and learning from both parents. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me, this concept of God being the one who's, like being one who's guiding you, but not mm-hmm. in like the ah, dad's going to come back and he's going to be mad at you um, mm-hmm. way. But of just like that kind of that motherly guidance, that motherly parental ship. For whatever reason, in my entire time of being an evangelical, my entire time, 
I never thought God could be like that, which is absurd to say. When you say it out loud, it sounds stupid. Mm-hmm. But I think that whole calling God mama was something that doesn't really, that doesn't even like jump outside orthodoxy. This is still very firmly rooted in uh, a very traditional conservative Christianity. I mean, mostly. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's already very profound. I also am going to warn you and the listener. I got chicken tenders. I'm starving. I'm going to eat them. I can't guarantee that there won't be mouth sounds. I'm going to do my best. It just means that I get to talk. Um, exactly. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, and I think what the shack really did was like, it took the spiritual formation away from the nuclear family. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. So like God is no longer this far off dad who's just at his job all day and then comes home. And if you've done something bad, mommy's going to tell on you and you get the whooping from dad and all that kind of thing. But instead it's a, God is a black woman who cooks you these elaborate, wonderful soul food meals. And you just get to like talk to her. (laughs) And B, you know, because I think that from what I remember, that was one of the things that she was like in the book. She was very good at just listening to how much the main character hates her. Interesting. And because like that was kind of his whole journey was like he started to hate God because his daughter was murdered and assaulted in this shack. Um, so I think it's just kind of like a, it was a really cool way of both getting rid of kind of the sexist part of Christianity as far as God, who is spirit. People forget that. Um, and that's a thing from the Bible. You just quoted yeah. the Bible right there. God, who is spirit? No one's ever seen God, remember. Um, and that a picture of God is not the only picture of God. So, like, a black woman cooking soul food is not the only picture of God. It's just as legitimate as uh, our other the picture of God as a Middle Eastern man, you know, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, I just think it was, I mean, it's just cool. Like, it, like I love it when art reflects that. And that is so based and so pretentious. Deeply based. Deeply based. But, like, I mean, art is meant to reflect reality, even when it's completely and totally, like, far-fetched. And so... You know, when I think of God, I think of any type of art. And, I mean, The Shack was really kind of the eye-opening piece for a lot of people um, to stop seeing God. Like, when they think of God, they don't see the big bearded white man in the sky anymore. You know? Oh, yeah. I I have fries in my mouth. Oh, you're good. (laughs) But um, that's something that 
my boy Brad Jerzak likes to say. If it doesn't look like the Abba revealed in Jesus, it probably isn't. And I think that the black woman cooking soul food in the shack looks a lot like the Abba that Jesus revealed. It's interesting because I remember it's funny you mentioned that there is like another picture of God as the judge. Mm-hmm. And that was whenever her criticism of the shack is always like God's way too nice in this. <laughs> Which is they didn't get to that part because it seems like, yeah, they're totally neglecting something that was in fact mentioned. That- yeah. And I think even that though, like, I was um I would highly 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 encourage everyone to go spend the 3.99 on Amazon Prime on a documentary called Become Truly Human which was made by a friend of one of my friends um it's a documentary about it was made the, by the, the orthodox guy right yeah um it's t- I met it, him when I visited an orthodox church we had this yeah. really long conversation that has permanently affected me to this day Wait, my friend or the friend of the friend? The guy who made the documentary. Uh, Jacobs. Uh, Brian Jacobs? Yes. Nathan Jacobs? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I just ran into him because I just visited the church that he went to one day for uh-huh. uh, worship arts class, for like intro to worship arts. Really? Yeah. And he was talking about how, real quick, this is a real quick thing, but he was talking about how, because I was like, how does, go? I mean, how do you know if you're going to go to heaven in orthodoxy? And he was basically like, that's not a question we ask. Yeah. Uh, the question we ask is, how how alive are you today? How filled with God are you today? And the more filled with God you are, the more alive you are. So we mm-hmm. see we see heaven as a state of being filled with God, because um, yep. he talks about how apparently in Paul in in a in a better translation of Paul, I'm forgetting mm-hmm. what what verse this is being pulled from, but uh, there's a discussion of being energized by God. That God, yep. like that, you are being you are being made more human, being made more fully whole, uh, when you're uh, participating in the God life, and when mm-hmm. you are not, when you are not acting in godlike ways, and those being just like when you're not being good to your fellow person, that kills you, and yep. that is the death. That is the true death. It's not falling asleep. It is when you are acting not brotherly to your fellow person. So. Yep. I, I, that, that, again, that has affected me. I think about that <laughs> so much. And That's that such a small world me. thing, dude. <laughs> because before I even met you, um, this was while I was still at my Baptist church, and I was writing my blog. I was approached by someone as, like, my buddy got me in touch with one of their um, PR people what? for the documentary, and they asked me to do a movie review of it. So they sent it to me before it came out, and I got to watch it and do a review of it on my blog. Um, that was like right was around when cool. I met him. Really? That was, around, that was like yeah, because it was right about like he's like I had a movie that like just came out. So wow, I was That's talking with him over like a church potluck thing that they did because it so it's an Orthodox church, but they mm-hmm. had people from all over like Eastern Europe and Russia and Greece there. Yep. Um, so it wasn't it was just an Orthodox church catch all. Hmm. Um, but they did like this big kind of potluck kind of thing, but it was all types of food that I had never had before, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just gorging myself while talking to this guy who clearly was into the idea of me converting to orthodoxy, but right. be- because like, but not because he was like super zealous about it because it's like, he wanted to break me out of like the, the evangelical hegemony, you know, mm-hmm. that I was so deeply in. 
and I get it now. So yeah, thank you. You, you succeeded, Brian. <laughs> I, is it, I can't remember if it's Brian or Nathan. Um, but I can't remember either. But he knows. It's anyway, him. if he's hearing, he knows. The documentary is called "Becoming Truly Human," and I would advise everyone listening to this to go watch it. It's three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. Really easy to find. But where was I even going with that? We're talking about the shack. Yeah, but I can't even remember. But anyway, um, a lot of what it has to do with is these, um, he interviews, I think six, maybe seven people who call themselves nuns, um, N-O-N-E-S, which are people that on a particular um, poll that was taken like back in the mid 2010s about who like the number or the percentage of people who describe themselves as like religion, their, their um, answer is none of the above. And so it listed a bunch of religions and they would say none of the above. And so he interviews a bunch of them and basically like tells his story of finding like a God worthy and not even worthy, but just a God that made sense to him. Um, and he's a big, big, big Athanasius dude. Um, as he should be, which is where I, he gets a lot of what you're talking about because there was it Ignatius. I think it was Athanasius. Oh, it's Athanasius. Ignatius was a cool guy. Uh-huh. But he wasn't a mystic. Yeah, and Athanasius was deeply a mystic and also deeply, like, he kind of created half of the stuff that the church, everyone believes now, so, cool. Yeah, um, but he talked about exactly what you were talking about, is the um, death is not the going to sleep when you die, it is the gradual dying, and... um like an atrophy basically when you're not treating people right. Um, and so with becoming truly human with the shack, um, I'm very sorry that I forgot completely where I was going with that. Um, but I think that would be a cool two things for you, dear listener to go and research is that book, the shack and that documentary becoming truly human because both of those things were the reasons that I got out of my evangelical hegemony. Um, The shack, simply because I was in the cult that I was in, but I was hearing something different. And while I was in the cult, I barely heard anything different than what I was hearing from the cult. So what was was their theology? I always forget. Like, was it Baptist or was it non-denominational? Like, what was it? They called themselves non-denominational, but we only went to Southern Baptist churches. Wait, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just align themselves with the Southern Baptist convention? Because they wanted to get into other churches, but we had to be invited. They almost acted like as if they were the FBI. Like the FBI can only go where they're invited. Or vampires. Vampires are a better. That that's a better. Um, they were church vampires, revival vampires. That's weird. Like 
especially with the word revival, I feel like I think about the word revival with more holiness, Pentecostal type movements. And they sort of like dipped into some of that. There was actually a lot of people who were against them because they practiced. It wasn't even a practice. It was more like a symbolism thing. But a lot of people thought that it was like witchcraft where they drew a circle on the ground and they would basically pray the prayer. God, I'm not going to leave this circle until you enter it type thing. That is a spell. All right, though, my dude. Yeah, it is. But I, I'm that I'm not saying in a bad way, but that's certainly a spell. I know a spell when I see one. <laughs> you witchy little bitch. Um just a little guy, dude. Just a little guy. Just a little witchy guy. Um but anyway, we don't need to talk about them. Um <clears throat> But as I was saying, listener, go and listen and watch and read those two things. Because they're so good. Um, I personally really like The Shack. Um, it's actually on my bookshelf over there. Um, I need to read it again. Just so I can refresh it. Because it really does paint a really cool picture. Um, but it, like you were saying, Tom, like it's not the only picture. It's just a picture to get us out of the only picture we think is right. And yet, like, I don't mean that disparagingly. Like, no, I think no, for no, people yeah. who are, I don't know, like, not even, like, much more deconstructed, more evolved. No, I mean, like, if you're more used to images of God that aren't, like, the classic white guys, three white guys who chill out in heaven. Like, yeah, you're going to hear that. You're going to be like, yeah, this makes sense. So what? I mean, that's just, that's pretty br- groundbreaking for people who, who haven't, like, gotten there yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's... That means a lot to people who, when that's their first experience of God being bigger than their preconceptions, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, you. I just like inhaled that food. You know, I was thinking, if you gave a chicken tender to like, I don't know, someone, anyone, the, even like the king in like the 1700s, they'd lose their minds, you know? Like that yeah. is just, I refuse to believe food was that good back then. You know what I mean? But, like, they had mutton chops and shit. I mean, that is fair. You do make a good point. I mean, think about the meal that... that Denethor was eating while poor Pippin was singing that song and the tomatoes. But, like, but, but I mean, like... What's that, like, that good, though? I mean, I believe that for the time, relatively, that was the best shit in the world. Oh, I'm sure that, like, moldy cheese was, like, the regular, but... I'm just saying, we have, like, proper refrigeration and food safety now. Like, nothing even tastes a little spoiled. And you've I got, mean... You've got, like, a 0% chance of just, like, throwing up your your meal, which is pretty good. Or getting dysentery. Dysentery, my guy. Did you ever play uh, the Oregon Trail back in the day? I did. Yeah, dysentery. I can't think of dysentery. I know that it's like a real disease that people like died from and shit. But when I hear dysentery, I'm like, yeah, the Oregon Trail, right? I don't know why. But. <laughs> well, Tom, this was a weird episode, but I'm glad I got to talk to you. Hey, I mean, we still got plenty of time to talk. I mean, want to talk yeah. about songwriting, dude? <laughs> wow. <laughs> a completely unrelated topic? I, you know me. I'll always pull it back around somehow. Somehow. I mean, whether we're talking I about the shack or whatever, I mean, 
this is hanging out with Tom and Derek today, you know? Yeah. 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 I, and I think it's funny you mentioned songwriting because I was thinking about just how weird Christian songwriting is in comparison to just like writing a song in like a normal way. Speaking of, your band just dropped a song we today. Did. This is Friday. You all will be listening to this on Monday. Yeah, this is on the but, 22nd uh, that we're recording it. Yeah. But uh, y'all, y'all released a song and goddamn, you. It's good. Yeah, that that that's uh, that's our, our drummer Alex or Lexi, uh, depending on what you want to call them. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, wrote a really awesome song that we couldn't title, so we just called it Lexi's song. Uh, yes. But yeah, we had that. Yeah, we literally like recorded it back in 2021, and then like was like, oh shit, we should probably like finish recording that. So yeah, we just <laughs> had we had like drums and stuff, and we're like, no, we can like re-record every part of it. So we recorded like the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it sounds really good. I'm happy you like it. I, I am proud of it. We think it's our best song we've ever put out. Like, uh, honestly, we just think it just it hits harder than anything else. And, uh, you should check it out. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to stick it back when we were both like away from the mic for a second. I'm going to, that was that song. That's what that song was. So oh, hey, you just you, listened to that. Song. If you thought that sounded good, you should go and save that. It is Lexi's song by Maglo M A Y G L O W on spotify itunes and wherever you get your music so definitely no relation that. to day glow or gay glow or bay glow or gay glow we should have done a gay no you know we'll do that for uh 2023 during pride month we're gay glow there you go that's good marketing Sick. um yeah songwriting man like right me too <laughs> I would agree with you. Um, what was your songwriting experience like at Asbury? I'm curious. Um, different every year that I did it. Um, what years did I do it? I only did it twice, I think. Um, at least for the album. Did, but, you, did you write for the album the year after I graduated? You mean the one that didn't get released? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one that's sitting on a certain alum's computer that will never see the light of day. Oh, yeah, and where a certain church took some of the songs that were on that album and decided to make money off of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm now, uh, I have, did they not sign a contract? Because we all signed a thing, at least in past years, that was basically saying, whatever you make here stays with Asbury. No, so uh, whoever was in charge, I think, actually planned that. But that's the conspiracy that I believe in. Oh shoot! Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I there there are some people whose opinion I think or I like. I I was very sad to see that. I was very sad to see that. Yeah. From a handful of people. Um, yeah. And it. Yeah. That, 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 that I used to respect very highly. Me too. Me too, dude. And that's it was, it, just, it's, it's rough to see people <clears throat> and like people being taken advantage of and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that's one thing with the, with the Mountain and Ascender albums. As much of a dipshit I was, I feel like I did my best to at least try to respect people. So and you did, like, dude, you were so good at like you let me do my song by myself like because it got thrown on there like last minute and then whoever we asked to sing it like just didn't want to do it and so i went in there and did it 
<laughs> yeah, we, what we were going to do was we were going to have, I mean, you can look this up. This is on Spotify. I mean, this is not, they're, 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 <clears throat> at this point, we're going to use names. No, no doxing. We weren't going to dox before. Now we can dox. It's cool. We're talking about not that. <laughs> um, but it was Madison singing Dreams, and we were going to do Dreams mm-hmm. and Doubt as one like double track. And then we Which realized, it worked. Really it worked, cool. and it was cool. And it's still, it was still put on one continuous track. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was still, it's still like one Ableton file, dreams and doubt. Yeah, there's um, like a drone that kind of continues. I, I still listen to doubt. I think doubt is a hell of a song. You um, think so? Oh yeah, I, I think that song just rocks. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think, mean, you, you produced it, so like you brought the art to, to life, but like. I mean, obviously, I like the production on it, but I think, I think there's something profound about that whole, both the Ascender EP and the Mountain Live album, that mm-hmm. I've never heard it anywhere else. It's a Sufjan yeah. Stevens album that was fully a worship album. Yeah, that's what is. Mountain is. Um, and uh, the fact that the, still the fact that Doctor Bounce kind of thought it was cool. That's all uh-huh. I ever needed. Like. No, that's it. Because it's that's not because it's like there was the deep theological grounding of it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that it's like we're like going to pick an aspect of God and write about it. It's like I think we're we're going to talk about experience and we're going to be painfully honest. Yeah, and it still wasn't as honest as we could have made it. Well, I think I think there are a handful of songs that could be fully omitted, not because they're bad songs, but because we could have been more intense. I mean, yeah. I, I, I pulled no punches on, on Mountain, though. No. That song is exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, and it's so good. We were this close to having the cup on there. The cup would have, oh, the cup would have rocked so hard. But we would have made so many people angry about that. Yeah, that's a song about suicide, dude. But that would have been amazing. Like, I, I just tweeted literally like a few minutes ago. How what what I think is so funny how Bottom of the Sea one of the Meglo songs when it was just when mm-hmm. Meglo was just me it was the last song uh, that we put out before Meglo became a band of five people now, um, the song is quite literally about contemplating suicide while in quarantine. That is the song. Um, wow! And people didn't realize it. I think if people realized that they would have liked it less personally. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was, uh, I, I was thinking about that. I was listening to the song. I'm like, wow, how did I, why did I write this? <laughs> cause like, <laughs> cause like the first verse is that's exactly what it's about. The second verse is about what it was back when I had a job at a, I was had a job when I had my job at Starbucks. And uh-huh. even though it wasn't even like, I actually made better job, better money than, than I do now. Um, but it was just like, I just hated that job so much. And I was just like, I hate the, ca- I hate those capitals bastards so much. Yep. So that was that, that's what that was about. But like the song and the whole bottom of the sea thing was about getting out into your life and finding that there's nothing for you and wanting wow. to and seeking non-existence and not wanting to be around anymore. You know, yeah. that whole thing. So I don't know. I, I think that there is I am more and more convinced now that I am like less of an angsty teen and my brain is fully developed and stuff. And um, <laughs> and I'm just in a better place in life. I'm looking back at that and it's like, you know, I can't. I, I think it was I don't I don't think it was a mistake not to put the cup on there and I don't think it was a mistake not to go fully into it uh, because I know that it would have definitely 
kind of weakened some of the Asbury-ness, the Asbury Worship Collective, because being taken seriously and being seen as legitimate by Asbury was always difficult. Um, yeah. It would have been nice. And I wish. But also, I'm really glad that it's still mine because now I get to make it whatever the fuck I want it to be. That's something. And you're going to help me make it just a fucking banger. I'm actually recording a band tomorrow and the day after. So I'll be up nice. on it. I'll be, I'll be in, I'll be practiced again. I'll be well up on it again. So I still got to figure out how I'm going to pay you. Maybe in bourbon. You can pay, pay me in bourbon, pay me in just good times. I mean, tickles, snuggles even. So Ooh. yeah, dude, but now we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to charge you an arm and a leg. Don't worry about that. But yeah, this is you your your dear listener, you are currently hearing music making happening right now. Wow. But songwriting, you. See, were you more of a solo, uh write it with a partner, write with a group? And like what came of different types of writing for you? So I actually wrote the cup with Madison. Yeah. Um I actually didn't but... know Madison had that level of like angst. She did, but she also didn't. I was most of the angst in that, I think. A lot of her stuff was um, she had just gotten back from the Holy Land, and she had met people who prayed, like, you can hear in the the lyrics of the song, like, um, is there danger in my prayer? And she heard people praying dangerous prayers, like, um, basically she heard people saying like, God, make me suffer if it means that I would know you better. Yeah. Like she heard people praying that prayer. Um, so for her, I think it was a little bit more of a kind of that idea of, you know, it was like asceticism, you know? Yeah. Like you know, God is bringing me through this trial so that I can learn and be better for it. Whereas I was writing the song from the perspective of I'm getting out of Calvinism and I don't know if, I mean, maybe God wants me to be like Judas and just off myself and get it over with. So that's, that's <laughs> gonna, kinda, it's going to connect with Rachel because we talked about her story, how yeah, and, and her own like, if I'm a wretch and if I, I die while I'm a Christian, I get to go to heaven. Why mm-hmm. would I want to be around if I'm just yeah. painting the people around me and even God himself to continue existing? Right. So that was what it was for me. Um, and so do, like, do you know, uh, Schopenhauer, I don't, the, um, I think, I think that's his name. I, I might be getting his name wrong, but he's a, he's a, he's existentialist nihilist kind of that school of thought. Mm-hmm. I know so, Kierkegaard. I might, might be Schopenhauer, but it's, it's yeah, a, he's a contemporary of Kierkegaard nice. a, a little after him, but still in the same time period. His, mm-hmm. He was significantly less Christian. He famously told his mother um, like about how much he wished he, he weren't a guy. It's not like he, he actually ultimately did kill himself. He was just very depressed. But also, mm-hmm. he had some things to say that were very intriguing. Um, 
Yeah, his, after finding out how miserable he was, his mother said that if she knew he'd be this sad, she would have gotten an abortion. And he said that was a great comfort to him that she would love him so much to do so. But wow. His thing wasn't as much, I mean, that he wanted to die. He wanted to kill himself for other people. He was just like, it brings me so much more pain to be alive than were I to fall asleep and not have to worry about this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that That was his whole thing. He was just like, he's like, I cannot bear the fact that I have so much possibility, possibility and a guarantee of pain around me at all times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know I what know, that sounds like? What? The Psalms. <laughs> no, but like, uh, there's reading him. I remember when I wasn't doing as well, when, uh, let's see, it was like kind of the spring slash early summer of 2021 before my life kind of fell apart there. I remember mm-hmm. that's the first time I heard about him. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, it, it's not like it affected me, but it was just like, oh, I can't think about this right now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was just like, I am <laughs> ill prepared. Cause it's like, I empathize it. I empathize with that in a way that I wish I didn't right now. Like it's, this is yeah. it. So, um, I, I think one of the issues with a lot of our music as Christians is that I think there is a place I mean, I don't know what the hell worship music means at this point. If we're talking about music that is or is a well-written pop song that can whip you into a frenzy so you can cry and experience God or something, um, then it's like, yeah, that the music that we, a lot of stuff that we were writing for Asbury wasn't really that. But if we're mm-hmm. talking, we are going to delve into our own experiences and write about life, but write about that as someone who believes in God, that being a thing that's important to us and us still finding God in all of those moments, mm-hmm. that is profound. That is incredible. And I think the stuff that we wrote, I don't know, I still think in terms of just like making art, uh, I've never made better art than the kind of stuff that we did on that album. And yeah. in terms of like, not in, not even in terms of like the best songs I've ever written. I've written better songs since then. But if mm-hmm. we're saying that made a statement that meant something, and I mean, I still believe that because that album exists, that is going to mean something to someone one day, or that means something to someone right now that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I, I like yeah. to think that that is something meaningful. It's like the same thing as this podcast, right? Like mm-hmm. we have a handful of listeners. You're talking about listeners, you know, like I was, I was, um, and one of the listeners that I know, he's, um, I was his camp counselor, uh, when I was on wow. SMT, uh, and he is currently like deconstructing and he's got parents who, make it very difficult to be honest about what he believes now, but we are kind mm-hmm. of a safe place for him. Um, and that's kind of everything I've, I've ever wanted to do. It's funny. Cause we, oh, we yeah. were talking to uh, at the end of the, our episode with Liz Greenup, her roommate came to say hello to us. And yep. I was talking about how speaking of Chris bounce from earlier, I was talking with him and he was like, he's like, I feel he's like, I truly believe there is a call from God to do ministry on your life. And when I quit vineyard, I was like, am I just not following that? I don't know. But when I hear about when when I hear things like that, and when we are as people who are in many ways still very pastorally minded, I mean, no, you are literally, and I'm more <laughs> metaphorically. Uh, when I hear about that, I can't help but feel like if if God, as God is, has opinions or a personality the way that humans can understand, or maybe we're just anthropomorphizing something that we shouldn't be. But I think that makes God happy. Yeah. I think it makes God happy that we're giving people community. I think it makes God happy that we made an album that 
hopefully means something to someone. I know it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that is some kind of net good for the universe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that's I it. Think, I'm done with my tirade there, but no, dude, I love that. And I think you're, you're onto something with that, with, especially with songwriting. Like I was always taught with Christian songwriting that I'm never writing a song for myself. I'm always writing a song for someone else. I, but I, I think like it, that. but I think it has to be the opposite. Hmm. Yeah. I think we need to write about our experiences and the things that we know because we, we're not so alone that our experience can't be felt by somebody else. Hmm. And I think that because the reason that mountain was so touching and the reason that it, it reverberates still um, with me, like even more so than the other couple of albums um, it's because it was written from a perspective of honesty and from just clear personal, like angst <laughs> that Nice. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Um, <laughs> th- we didn't skip to the end of the psalm where David felt like he had to tie it in a bow. We sat at the beginning of the psalms where everything sucks, and we just might need to sit there for a little bit. Mountain is a direct sequel album to The Journey. Yeah. I, we didn't intend for it to be that. But I'm thinking about how the journey, how the journey was very much like we're going to talk about mourning, but we're going to focus on rejoicing. And this, mm-hmm. and Mountain is not an album about rejoicing or mourning; it's an album about life. Yep. And and sometimes think, things aren't quite that clear cut, you know. And I think me and Laura wrote the wrote the only like happy song on that I mean, Ghost was pretty happy too. Ghost and Garden were both pretty happy. Ghost is really good, but Ghost is still so down to earth and just weird that it's not. (laughs) Ghost is such a weird song, but I love it. Like, I was, I'm sitting in my room and I'm dancing with this ghost that I met and I found God. Okay, cool. <laughs> it is such a dope song. I actually listened back through that album the other day, and I think Ghost might be one of my favorites. But you know what I mean, though? Like, if you write, you have to write for yourself or you don't believe in what you're actually writing. And then it turns into kind of that reinforcement of everything's fine, everything's okay, like we should all just be cool with what's going on and like all this other stuff rather than like being completely honest about something. And then like, even if you are the only person in the world feeling that feeling at that moment, you won't be later on. Like people weren't deconstructing during mountain. And now that they are, they can go back to mountain and be like, Oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> What's so funny is that literally I, a mountain would not have happened if I were not like in a, in a group of people who deconstructed before it became a thing everyone was talking about. Like yeah. I just kind of stumbled into it because I was like, I don't really know what I believe, but I know y'all are, are nice to gay people at this church. And that made a lot of people mad. So now I want to be a part of it. Yeah. But what's interesting is at that point, Grace Point was just a group that met on Wednesday nights to talk about 
basically was a support group of ex-Christians and ex-evangelicals mm-hmm. or people who still wanted to be was Christian that, but didn't know how again. Was that still when Stan Mitchell was there? Stan Mitchell was still there. Yeah, this is not okay. the Josh Scott area yet. Um, that happened very shortly after I left. Um, gotcha. But they did not meet on Sundays again at this point. They were mm-hmm. basically like, things have fallen apart. We don't know how to pick it up. And I'm going to be honest, that was accessible. Yeah. Um, I walked in on that. I'm like, I get this. I understand this. And it was like people kind of going between being mad and like, I can't, I, there were injustices done to me. I can't believe they told me this was true. They told me, they told me this would work. And this God that I was told doesn't, he's not real. That's not the God that I found to be real. And, and it was almost like this morning, this past religion. Uh, And now I'm so happy to see that grace point has kind of become something that is more, not even like positive because that was a positive for me too at the time, but it's something that is more speaking back and speaking positive words instead of just like receiving things, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, Josh Scott's a cool guy. Have you, have you uh, yeah. seen the kind of stuff that he says? Yeah. And he actually is a mutual friend of the guy that married yo, me and my, Miranda. Yo, my cookies are here. Be right back. Your cookies. I also bought cookies. Oh my God. Well, dear listener, um, as he's gone, um, I'm going to tell you about how jealous I am that he just had chicken fingers and cookies without me. Um, there's currently not a whole, whole lot of food in my house because my wife is pregnant and she has a lot of cravings and it's hard to shop or buy groceries when you have several different cravings a day and I feel for her and it makes me sad that she feels that because all I want is like steak and potatoes every night but sometimes that's not okay for a pregnant woman and so we don't have a whole lot of things in our house but I wish we did Tom is fumbling with his earphones he can't hear what I'm saying yet Tom you're a I got insomnia cookie Nice. I was just talking about how it's hard to shop for food, and I've been jealous of you because uh, Miranda's pregnant and she has cravings, and we can't grocery shop because we don't know what she's going to crave each day. Yeah, I've just been lazy this week. I've been eating lots of ramen and the occasional food delivery, and I was treating myself tonight. But um, Nice. Yeah, what's nice is that I can just be like, I'm going to eat only ramen all week. And as much as it sucks, I can just do that because I don't have like weird pregnancy cravings, which is really nice. I'm not mm-hmm. pregnant. No, you're not. No. So there you go. Wish you were. Um, what? What? <laughs> uh, what? So thank you for letting me yammer about mountain and all that stuff. Cause like, no, I love that's, talking that's about like, it. That whole album project. Um, I don't think I've ever fully described how much that meant to me to be able to create that and to be able to, spearhead something like that because we were we remember joking about it was with like the kind of the tr- the team that was making that happen was between me mm-hmm. diego and bailey and I remember when we first were like okay the, the, the like the album's gonna be mountain and we're like you think anyone else is gonna get what this is about and we're like we don't know like mm-hmm. this um and it's just like we had and and, and that was that was kind of it because all of us were kind of starting to deconstruct uh yep. and we're like this because this isn't really about deconstruction. It's more about what what do you what do you do what what do you do in this situation? And um, 
I think it's it's funny because when we when he, we heard doubt, it's like okay, Derek Derek knows what album what uh, what mountains about good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> Derek understands. Uh, but Daddy's been there before you. Da- yeah, dad Daddy's been there many times. Daddy knows. <laughs> but, you know. I do love I I really do love that song, and I might I'll probably I have actually never done that song at church surprisingly. No, I, I gotta, too. I gotta come and hang out. We should do it together. Please, 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 please. And Elijah and Collier already said that they would play music with me, even if it, if they weren't gonna be worshiping while they did it. <laughs> Bro, I was there. I want to be there too. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a full band. Well, yeah, well, we can, we can, we can get Wyatt there. What's actually really oh. funny is that Lexi actually goes and sings at churches sometimes because Lexi's not religious, really? but there are some churches in town that just know of them and they're like hey want to come sing a song for us so let us do a paid gig at a church and just do like the special music sometimes that's the dopest thing in the world just incredibly <laughs> funny like like lexi's not gonna go and and do uh unpaid church music but if you pay them they'll go do it you know if you're like i mean know. i can't pay them but i want them to come and sing at my <laughs> church i can't pay them but go go, li- go listen to lexi's song lexi can sing lexi can sing real good all so. right i'll do that but um, that's funny. Should we do like, should we do the cup when I come and do the house show with you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I will not do mountain. Mountain is still a worship song. I actually, it is still a I, song. I, that I will die on that hill. Mountain is intentionally a congregational yeah. worship song. And it I, it was written to be that. And it still is that. Um, it is. Yeah, that's yeah, I, that's a hill I will die on, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's a mountain that down. you'll yeah. plant your flag on. That's a, that's a mountain that I'll uh, hang out on. But yeah, that was so the whole picture of like God for that. I'm got I gotta say it. It's so cool. So Stan Mitchell, his uh, his dad was like a Pentecostal fire and brimstone preacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he all growing up, he's like, I know I want to be a preacher. I know I want to bring people to Jesus. I know that's exactly what I want to do. But not long after he went to Bible college, started his ministry. Um, he kind of got this picture of that. He was standing at the top of like this big mountain that he thought was all spirituality, all Christianity. And he had conquered it. He did the best. He was the best anyone ever been it's a very Saul to Paul thing but he had mm-hmm. standing on this mountain of just like I did it I figured it all out but then the clouds cleared behind him and it turns out he was just on a little hill next to the actual mountain yeah and that was that was spirituality that's what Christianity is supposed to be and it's so big you can't see all the way around it you could go and you could climb that mountain for the rest of your life and you've only seen a small fraction of it but the whole point of the God life is to climb, not to get to the top, not to conquer it, but to enjoy it. The whole mm-hmm. point is to go and enjoy the climb that and, and, and which is very funny because we could put this into the same verbiage we used on the journey. Yeah, that, that like this is still the journey as well. But like, I, I think we want it to be like this isn't about like the Christian life or something. Be another mountain. Yeah. I'm always gonna wanna make him move. Always gonna make him move. Okay. It's the climb. Is that a different song? I don't know. Uh, is that a different song? I actually don't know. No, Tom. That is the same song. 
Tom. I don't know. Tom. What? What are the odds? What are the odds? That on August 14th, you come and help me lead worship Mm -hmm. at Woven. We do mountain, and you tag the climb by Miley Cyrus. Maybe. I, I could I could probably come on August fourteenth and do it, but what are the odds? The climb. One in um five. All right, three, two, one, four, two. Damn. I'll still come on August fourteenth, but it's not going to tag the climb. <laughs> <laughs> but just uh, imagine you finish, um, and we mm. met. You meet me at the base camp. And then every day we'll climb. There's always going to be another mountain. That's going to just ruin the moment. And the moment is the whole point. I would be so happy. Caleb would hate you. Caleb would never <laughs> forgive me, man. Oh, God. Well... I think when it comes to songwriting, like I was saying before, I think you you do have to write it for yourself. Mm. Um, I was convinced. I'm more and more convinced of that. The more I think about it, that sits with me. I like that. Yeah. I was convinced by Bono um, that if you if you're not honest when you're writing – then you're just you're just trying to sell something Ooh, you know good i like that and i mean i was told by a minister once that worship was a product that we needed to sell what why you know who i'm talking about too um no he wouldn't he wouldn't Let's just say that J.S. Um, told me that once. and Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> it just, it, it, it got me so sad. Because it just reminded me of when I was in the cult that I was in. They said... Your time on stage is not time for you to worship. It's time for the people of the congregation to worship. So you act like you're worshiping in the way that we want you to act so that they can worship. It's interesting because like, I hear that and I am so torn about that. Because I think there's something of like... Authenticity is great, right? I'm all about authenticity. But also... <clears throat> I'm all about it's like I'm not here from from my own experience. I'm here to facilitate something greater. And right, yeah. But a mat like, but if you were being told specifically not to worship in a way that is life giving to you, that's pretty bad. But that's the thing. Like, I think. It's such a hard 
because every worship leader has an opinion about it. Whenever I was doing youth worship, you remember when you were in youth worship and either you or one of your little youth babies would come to you and say, I just don't think my heart's in it right now. And then you just, you would either pass off your responsibility of playing an instrument or singing or whatever to someone else. Mm -hmm. I think that it is more worshipful to worship when you don't want to. Yes. And being honest about it. 100%. Yeah. Than the other way around. And I'll say my prayers when I don't believe. And in that way, that's why I cannot get behind the being being a worship leader who acts the part just so someone else can have an experience rather than Mm, someone who is on stage literally bleeding through their chest and handing it to someone else and saying, this is what I'm experiencing right now. Where you are is where you are. This is where I am. Let's join together and hopefully help each other out. Because I think that is actually what it's supposed to be. So like when I was at Southside, I actually practiced this in a way where like that was when me and my wife had our miscarriage and one of the Sundays we were singing He is Faithful by Brian and Katie Torvald. Dope song. Love that song. But I literally told the church, I was like, I don't actually think I believe what I'm singing today. But I'm going to sing it anyway. Would you all sing it over me? Oh, that's brutal. I, I am like, I think it's wild that... Over a doctrinal difference, you're like no longer with them. It makes me so sad to this I'm, day. I'm happy that you get to be with Woven, mm-hmm. but that is that's a certain depth of honesty and integrity that I don't think I've ever seen in a worship service. You know, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, oh, no, but I think that that I think that's actually a worship leader. Like, you are setting the tone for the worship that's about to happen. You are creating the space that is that is collective. And we do this with worship planning, too. Yeah. Like, if you plan a Sunday of lament, it doesn't matter if 50% of your congregation is totally cool with God right now, that Sunday, they are going to practice empathy with those who are lamenting. And that's the worship. Because you as the worship leader are setting that tone. That's at least what I believe about it. Um, It's so hard because you have to have 
people who are willing to go there with you. But in my mind, just what I've learned in the past, you have to be honest as a worship leader. You can't fake it because people know when you're faking it. And JS faked it every damn Sunday. You know, what's interesting about that is that with worship being a product, um, how much marks do you know? I don't know any. I say this as someone who just, you know, starting a socialist club. I definitely, I know some marks. Yeah, I was about to say, when are you going to tie this back to the beginning? (laughs) Oh, yeah, for real. But this is very directly related. Um, So there's a word used in leftist thought, decommodification. It's taking something that is a product to be bought and sold. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, what if we societally all decided that's not how this works anymore? So one of the big things we talk about that is with this, like, housing. What if, mm-hmm. what, or in the land, specifically land ownership, because this is the thing that really gets to me. Like, at one point, someone just decided, you know what? If I just, if I tell everyone this land is mine and I can kill anyone who tries to take it, the land is effectively mine. And now mm-hmm. we have this idea that land can be bought and sold. It belongs to someone when, like. That's kind of absurd. How can you own the earth? That's stupid, you know? Um, and it's like, kind of like, what if we keep taking this further? Like, say, obviously, your toothbrush is your toothbrush. It goes in your mouth and your mouth only. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's your thing. But we're saying these big things. These, Or even, like, the concept of um, another thing called um, commodity fetishism, which is, like, when you, when you think about a new big TV in your house, you think about what that new big TV could do for you. It's like, ah, oh, it's going to have really nice colors. It's going to be big. It's going to be really bright. Um, and Or you think about, oh, my friends are going to come over. They're going to think I make a lot of money. But you're not thinking about how um, all of the metals and stuff to make that were mined in some developing country by some three-year-old. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. The first thing that I bought when I bought this house was a big screen TV. So I can't really but the, say anything. No, but that's the thing. But the, thing, the whole point is, like, we are so ingrained with yeah. this idea that some things are things to be bought and sold, and that is how we think of them. Um, mm-hmm. And all, all this to say, that's exactly what we've done with worshiping the Lord of the heavens and earth, the Most High God, uh, the Father, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, somehow, we've made the worship of this um, knowable and unknowable, personal and impersonal deity somehow we've made that a product to be bought and sold. And I think that's the reason why Jesus got so pissed off in the temple. It makes me think that maybe, just maybe, we were in league with the bad guys for most of our lives, if not still. So, I don't know. You might have just preached a sermon on that passage, man. Uh, And we did it with uh, leftist (laughs) uh, communist theory. Uh, but it worked, didn't it? <laughs> it didn't work. No, the, no, I think you're completely right. And I think, I mean, that's the worship wars in a nutshell. Um, it's what's your preference? The worship wars were never about what is truly pleasing to God. It's just kind of like what the white dudes who your church like the best. Like, did I ever tell you about how... Um, at my old Baptist church, a member who was a very significant tither threatened my the worship pastor that if the worship pastor didn't do at least one hymn a Sunday, they would pull their tithing from the church. 
that's kind of like when you like request a song on the radio and you say you're going to give them money if they play your song. It's like a bribe. It's weird. I think it's kind of blackmail. <laughs> I don't think God like, wants that tithe by far anymore. The stu- but that's like by far the stupidest kind of blackmail. And it's that type of shit, dude, that like that runs the Christian music industry right now. Every single Christian song on the radio sounds exactly the same because that's what's bought and sold and fuels that Nashville machine. Like I'm talking about uh, Francesca Battistelli, how she has no Miranda, Miranda loves her. Don't talk about her. Sorry. I'm going to have to do it. She's, she's very talented, but yeah. from the time I met her and maybe I got the wrong impression. So this is all very much allegedly, okay. um, but I met her like, once and i met quite a few ccm artists while i was um i mean you doxed her now you need to dox the rest come on there you go um goodness okay there's a band that's killing me they have a song about how like god god is father and mother and i was like that's so dope and i was talking with them and they're like all really progressive and really cool but nice um, however i can't remember their names oh we're talking are we not gonna talk about are we not going to talk about how every band member in Lauren Daigle's band is absolutely a homosexual? Oh, rocks. <laughs> L- Lauren Daigle was always the queen of the gays. We know this. Oh, yeah. Um, we all know this. That just makes sense to me. Um, no, but this this is just I hope like, we didn't ruin their careers. <laughs> and this, is, this is not me really like saying anything negative about Francesca Battistelli. Maybe she was just having an off day. She was just tired. But I said something about, oh, there's no other name. I was like, that song like mm-hmm. rocked me and that like put me in the right mindset for like a half mm-hmm. a year of my life. Like that was like my anthem. She's like, oh, okay, cool. What? <laughs> She's like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's all right. I was like, oh, okay. And we just had a small conversation and like she was just, maybe she was tired. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, you can never know. Maybe she was fine. But it was like this weird moment of like, that was a weird response. And um I don't know. And it's just like, and maybe I'm just jaded and I know I'm jaded. Who are you kidding here? But talking about Christian artistry, it's like, I know how I feel when I write a song that I hope means something to someone. Mm -hmm. And she just didn't respond like that. I don't know. You know, maybe, and this is not me trying to put the bow on it and make you feel better, but maybe she was just being honest in that moment and was just like, I'm tired. I'm going to talk to you like a human being and I'm not going to pretend to be this grateful, wonderful. Thank you so much. This is great. Like, I so love that you did that. That's fair. You never know. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is, I think if you, if you're right about that, then that was just a level of empathy that I didn't have yet. And I didn't get it. And maybe sometimes people are tired. You never know. And I I know that from experience of meeting Brian and Katie Torwalt, who were like my idols for a very long time. And I met I met them when they played at Lex City. And I also met Sean Fuke. I was right next to you. Yeah. I was there. I met Sean the Fraud. And he was actually kind of like a cool dude. That's the thing. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's a charismatic guy. Uh, he's blocked me on Twitter, so I can say whatever I want about him. Really? Um, That's dope. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of yeah, you. Yeah, two fun people who blocked me on Twitter are Mark Driscoll and Sean Fugt. Uh, they've, they've, both, they've both blocked me, so that was pretty cool. But 
you've made it farther than I have on the Twitterverse. No, because um, literally I was just like back when, when they were doing dumb stuff, I'd be like, I think I tweeted at Sean. I think it's Foiked. I think it's Foiked. Sean fucked. He sure did. Um, he's got kids, <laughs> you know, he definitely did at some point. But he, uh, <laughs> but I think I just tweeted him. I'm like, how could you dare be so irresponsible? Like, that's all I did. It wasn't even like a crazy tweet. There's enough. To I'm surprised that he didn't see what I tweeted at him. When I was like, he was saying something about immigration and how it's terrible and all this other stuff. I was like, you're literally the mouthpiece for Compassion International. And you're talking like this? Repent. <laughs> but. Uh, your, uh, your point was too good. He couldn't block you over that. Yeah, maybe he felt something. Um, no, I, uh, that whole Francesca Battistelli thing, like. It just, it, it just I made agree. Me sad, you know, it, it, it's yeah. simply, simply put, and, and maybe, and this could just be me being not empathetic enough. And that's honest. That's me saying that for real. Yeah. But like, um, and maybe you know, like, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, you're talking about the Yeah, you're talking about the Torvalds. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Um. Katie. Go for it. Super cool. Like she, um, like I shook her hand and I was like, hey. Me and my wife, like, we really like you guys because you kind of, like, we really want to be worship leaders together. We love singing together, blah, blah, blah. Like, you all are kind of our idols. Like, it's so cool to be able to worship with you and just, you know, meet you. And she was like, oh, that's so great, like, blah, blah, blah. And Brian just, like, totally blew me off. Oh, God. But then I remembered that they had, like, a brand newborn baby. And it was, like, 10 o'clock at night. Dude is gone. And I was like, oh, and I didn't realize this until I became a dad. And I was like, that's why he wanted to, he wanted me out of his face. Dude, he wanted to go, go to bed. Dude, to go he wanted to go to bed. He was so tired. <laughs> so like, like I, I remember being very, like, I already knew this, but like, I remember being reminded that like, it goes along with that whole buying and selling. Yeah music like Chris Tomlin is the Jeff Bezos of Christian music we think of these celebrity high profile mm. CEO yeah. shit whatever you want to talk about it like and then you meet them and you realize they're human and then you're like, like oh wait I don't want to buy their product anymore. They suck. Mer. And then you go off and like you suck as a human. And then you remember like, oh, wait, maybe oh, yeah. all of this is stupid. <laughs> that's fair. And I think that's good because that, that makes me feel better because I was like very sad because I was like, I really hope she's in fact legit and was having a bad mm -hmm. day. But I was like in that moment, I just like I'd met a lot of cool people who are definitely in better moods and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was shocked. Also, uh, for King and Country, I will dox them. Uh, the hot one is as douchey as he looks, and the one who's not as hot is as nice as he looks. The, wow. the, the less hot one bought me Chipotle on multiple occasions. That's dope. That's a true bro right there. Good for him. I still have the, uh, because I went to go pick it up because I was like interning, right? So I went to go pick it up from Chipotle. So I still have an email from his personal email address. He's like, don't share that. I was like, cool. So I have his email. I'm not going to give it to cool. anybody, but I do. Which is um, do you want to know who is the nicest person I've actually ever met in my life? Who? Phil Wickham. Chris Tomlin. Not Chris Tomlin. Yeah, not him. <laughs> Phil Wickham. 
He was actually one of the dopest dudes I've ever met in my life. And the dude sold out wholeheartedly. Like, he is a complete sellout now. Maybe he's still really nice. He's just a really nice sellout. Yeah, because he became friends with Chris Tomlin and Brian Johnson. Oh, man, I feel like becoming friends with Brian Johnson is so much worse for your soul than Chris Tomlin. Yeah, it is. Man, Bethel, man. I was thinking about the Trump prophecy the other day and, like, how did that even happen? Like, how did we get here, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're going to start part two of the episode. <laughs> well, we're going, I'm just kidding. Man. We're going, dude. No, so, dude. The, the um, recent episodes, for whatever reason, I've not been uploading. I've had to put them on my Dropbox and then use uh-huh. an embedded link from the Dropbox into the RSS feed that is the podcast. I've had to like, we, we've been going for so long. It's had to be so stupid. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, no, they're all just letters, dude. Tom, are we selling a product? Are we selling theology? No, neither of us have any Should money. Should we stop doing this? None of us have any money, dude. <laughs> I know. We don't make any money off of this. If, if we, even if we had sponsors, I'd be like, oh, the $3 you're getting a month. Maybe that's not Woo. okay. But dude, I dude. mean, after three years, we could, bottle, we could buy a bottle of bourbon with that. Dude, that's so cool. no um dear listener if you've if you've listened all the way through to this um here's the thing songwriting novel writing the trying to put any type of picture onto god here's something that i learned I couldn't tell you how long ago. Not that long ago. God is always going to be supplemental to your experience. And what I mean by that is that if you believe, or when I say the name God, and you think big dude up in the sky with a white beard controlling things like a puppet master, supplementally God needs to come in and tell you that he is a black woman cooking soul food and just wants to listen to you be honest because that's what you need. It's the same thing with songwriting. We, me and Tom, you can go listen to the songs that we've written songs that we've, you know, put our hearts and souls into. You will hear the questions asked and the things said. And that's when you can see the Bible calls it lack. God says, or David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's not saying, I shall not want that shepherd. He's saying, I shall not want for anything. In another psalm, it says that the lion suffers want, but those who are in God do not lack. Lack there is talking about something that God needs to supplement for you. So let's just bring it down to like a really practical sense. Me, I lack very close, intimate 
friends. I have a lot of very standoffish friends. Tom, you're one of my closest friends. I can tell you a little bit anything, and I'm so happy for that. But you might be one of the only ones that I have right now. So I need someone that I can go to and just be like, dude, I need to shit in your face what I'm feeling. What? That's what Jesus is for me at this moment. For Miranda, Miranda didn't grow up with a very close father figure. Mm. She needs a father figure. So she doesn't need what I need from God. God supplements what we lack. So, this is my sermon. James says, whatever you lack, ask God of it, and he will give it. Dear listener, if you lack someone who will listen, God will listen. If you lack someone who speaks to you, God will speak. It's hard as hell. But it's not at the same time. Um, And Tom, I kind of want to ask you maybe to end this. Um, You were talking about that song that you wrote um, a couple years ago with uh, just being kind of honest about, you know, just wanting to die. Um, I've been there. That's what the cup was for me. Yeah. Um, For you, you know, what's the picture that God presents to you of what you lack? You know, um, I think the thing that I've always lacked, it's like it's like the the Mary to the Martha thing Mm -hmm. that. I find myself caught in that Martha always needing to do things, scheduling things out. Like I'm a busy person. I like to schedule myself pretty, pretty tight. It makes me happy. I like doing things, but mm-hmm. I also find myself longing for that eternity in the moment. Mm-hmm. I find myself like so focused on the sequence of thing after thing after thing that yeah it becomes very stressful and very worrying about all the things that are happening, especially when you're not even particularly excited for any of those things. And they are just things that you feel like you're being subjected to, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that thing that God is for me is peace, no matter the circumstance. That's not peace. That's like fixing anything. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing that it's okay for me to sit down, enjoy the feeling of being a person, enjoying feeling, you know, just like life in, in my fingertips and my toes, you know, <laughs> and sitting down and being like, even if I'm tired, even if I'm ready to be done, even if I need a break, it's better that I'm here than for me not to be here. And I can take well- pleasure in that. As Walt Whitman would say, what does he say? What does he say? Oh me, oh life. To uh, something, something, something. I'm going to look it up. 
Um, but nonetheless, but no, that that assurance that that's a thing that I can do, and it's true and it's good. That's what God has been to me. That's good. And dear listener, I don't know if you have ever um, heard of the Pascal Wager. That's not what we're talking about right no. now. Um, the Pascal thought process is that there's a big God-sized hole inside of you, and God needs to fill that hole. He needs to fill the hole. Real quick, the band that I was talking about is super cool and progressive. Had a great song. The song is You've Always Been by Unspoken. Nice. Yeah. The words are left unspoken. Um, no. Um, we're not talking about Pascal's whole thing where you have a God-sized hole and it needs to be fixed. Um, oh. talking about literal, like, in your life, you have need and you have something that is so pinnacle to your existence that you long for. Your desire, your delight, those things. Whatever you are missing from your life that would delight you, God can be that. Because he's allowed to be that. Yeah. But you have to allow it. You know, God is a consensual God as well. Um, oh Me, Oh Life by Walt Whitman. The question, oh me, so sad, recurring, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That's a solid place to finish up for the night. Roll the metal. Roll the metal.